0: When we uh, when we sing songs that remind us of the sweet blessings of the Lord, it, it ought to bring joy to your hearts, right? Kind of excited to hear a sweet hour of prayer. What a what a blessing it is to know that that we can pray to God and that God does hear us. Uh, what what a gift! What an amazing gift! Welcome to each of you, both members and uh, visitors alike. We praise God for your blessing us tonight with your presence. Let's go to God. Please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to worship you. We pray that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, and that it has been pleasing unto thee. As we sing uh, songs of praise under your name, oh God, we pray that you've accepted those. Thank you for Jesus, your great Son, who came on this earth and lived a perfect life, that we might live, and that we might be saved because of uh, and through that blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and for your mercy and for your patience and for your grace. In Jesus' holy name we pray and thank you. Be that way. Amen. Doubting God. We're picking up kind of where we left off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Numbers chapter 20 is the first scripture that we're going to go to. Uh, thinking about a lack of, uh, maybe you might say a lack of faith or, or just the idea of doubting God. I mean, I don't know if you have ever been in that position or that place where you doubted God. Like maybe, uh, does God really have the right plan? Does God really know what what um, uh, the right direction that should go in in my life? Uh, just just that simple that simple doubt. Uh, Numbers twenty, beginning at verse one. Then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month. People stayed at Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us uh, and our beasts to die there? So the question, why have you done this, Lord? You know, it's like doubting God. God, do you really know what you are doing And you notice Israel They doubted God, grumbled, etc When they were inconvenienced it, life, life is an inconvenience Right um, But it's when they were inconvenienced Or uh, when in their mind They were suffering to the fullest or We have no water, no drink, no good water No food, etc And they began to ask, why are you doing this God Does God really know What he is doing Would that we had died with our brothers Now they know they didn't want that They didn't want to die in the wilderness as their fathers died, nor die in Egypt, nor even remain in Egypt. But when they were a little bit inconvenienced, it was, does God really know what he's doing? Why have you done this, God? Verse 5, and why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? Because that was your prayer request. (laughs) That might be one of the reasons why God did it. But also, he had mercy on you and pity on you when you were groaning uh, in agony in Egypt. It is not a place of grain, or figs, or vines, or pomegranates, nor is there water to drink. Why? Why? Why, God? Exodus, please, chapter 16. So they're doubting God, right? They're questioning God. Does God really know what He has done or is doing? Verse 1, Exodus chapter 16. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation, the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation, the sons of Israel, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, Uh, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full you have brought us out into this wilderness to shelter this whole assembly with hunger. I love reading these kinds of verses and then going back and starting in Exodus chapter 1 and reading. I don't know that that really happened, <laughs> the way they were saying it, it did. But, but anyway, perception. Here they are now. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. Whether or not they will walk in my instructions. Will they do that? No. So they complain about the lack of food. Look at what God has done. We don't we don't have the food that we want. Not the food that we need. You know, food that sustains us. Numbers, please, chapter 21. We don't have the food that we want. You have to love Numbers twenty-one when it comes to complaining and grumbling and um, doubting God in verse 4 just listen to the text then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient because of the journey and the people spoke against God and Moses why have you brought us out, out of the land of Egypt to die in this wilderness for there is no food and no water and we loathe this miserable food. If there is no food, you, you can't loathe miserable. If you have no food, it, the, the second part doesn't even fit. Just They were impatient, and so they began to grumble against God. Right, And so, is that what causes us to grumble against God and doubt God? That, number one, I'm a little impatient. Number two... I kind of, I kind of loathe what God uh, has given to me. And uh, number three, do I doubt God because I have what I need, but not everything I want? Right? It's easy to blame God, right? It's easy to say, God, I don't know that I really believe that you can do it. Can God do it? Will God do it? Has God done it before? Does God even know? Those questions that come up in our mind. Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter 11. It is important to uh, recognize that when Jesus was talking to Thomas, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, I, I want to bring up for just a moment the, something that Jesus said about, about us. Jesus recognized something, and, and maybe I'm speculating, did he recognize that it would be harder for us? I don't know that because, I mean, you know, the Romans and the great persecution, that was tough living. There was just something about what Jesus said to Thomas that is true, uh, of course, when he said it, but what part of it really applies to me? So uh, we have all this evidence, the evidence of the Bible, right? We could look at archaeological evidence where they found the things that Jesus said or the Bible says, and every, everything is exactly the way he said it would be. And we can look at uh, the book of uh, uh, Joshua, where every promise that God made Israel came true. And you can just look through the Bible, and you have all, we have all this evidence. And then we can look into our own lives, and we have all this evidence about God and the greatness of God. And then we still find ourselves doubting sometimes, right? In Hebrews 11, and verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things uh, hopeful, the conviction of things not seen. Or faith is the evidence of things hopeful, you know, you already know, you know without a shadow of a doubt. So we have lots of opportunity to study about God in the Bible and outside of the Bible uh, when you think about the world's history uh, of humanity. Now, Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7 speaks of the way that God's people today walk. We don't have miracles, if you will, as it did in the first century. We, you know, we're in a different time. We're outside of the days of the miraculous, as we read about in the scriptures, and yet, it says we walk by faith uh, and not by sight, right? And so I want to go to John chapter 20 because we do walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the response that Jesus had uh, to Thomas in uh, this particular account. So John 20 and verse 29. Jesus says to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see, and yet believe. And that's us, right? And I'm, I'm thankful for that verse. That uh, as the psalmist says, we're but God remembers that we're but we're just but dust. But He He recognizes that there's something about our generation and maybe the ones to come and the ones past that God gives a a different blessing, or an extended blessing, in the sense that they got to see—they they didn't just see Jesus. Turn to First John uh, chapter one. They didn't just see Jesus; they had this uh, relationship with Jesus that we would never have. You know, sometimes uh, our children grow up and they wonder and ask the question when they maybe when they go off to college or as they're growing up, is Jesus real? And we believe and understand by faith that Jesus is real. There's just too much evidence. To, uh, to try and disprove God. But I want you to realize and remember that in their day, they didn't have to ask that question. Was Jesus a human? Was Jesus in the flesh? Did God really actually come down? We sang the song, but, but was, he, was he really Jesus in the flesh? Well, First John dealing with Gnosticism, beginning at verse 1. Uh, what was from the beginning of what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld in our hands, Handle concerning the word of life. They they got to hug Jesus and see him smile and eat with him and, and touch him and listen to him and, and participate with him. And the Bible says in verse 2 and the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What well, we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you also may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. They didn't just see Him. They heard Him. They touched Him. They participated with Him in life. First Peter, uh, please, chapter, chapter 1. And... and but we walk by faith and not by sight. We, we believe the word of God. We understand the word of God. We, we research. Maybe you have. You researched. There were 12 apostles, 14 in particular. They were, they were apostles of God. Jesus did walk on the face of the earth. There was this understanding. There was this man who was born, who was different from everyone else. It's Jesus. And so but we, we, don't, we know it by faith. We know it because it's written. We know it because of the archaeological findings and et cetera, et cetera. But they were with him, and they touched him. And, and Jesus said, you believe because you, you've seen. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. And you know what God doesn't do? God doesn't give us an excuse. Even though we haven't seen, he doesn't say, and so they may have a little bit of a struggle in their walk of faith. He never says that, ever. That's nowhere in the scripture. In fact, I'm going to show you in a moment that Jesus expects us to believe in who He is. We're talking about doubt though. First Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse at verse 6. I wonder if I have this am I this man? And this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while you've been you've been distressed by various trials. Now Israel struggled with that. When they were distressed by various trials or inconveniences, I mean they were ready to give up their whole faith. But not us, says the scripture. That the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy and expressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, and so, and so. Here is how they felt, and this is what they understood. What about me? Do I have the same kind of trusting faith? And let me say it in this way: simple trusting faith as they did, as I walk with Jesus. Mark chapter nine, please, and I want to show you that Jesus expects us to believe. He just, it's expected. Mark 9, let me show you. Verse 14. Mark 9, beginning at verse 14. And when they came back to the disciples, they, they saw a large crowd around them. And some scribes arguing with them. And immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with the spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation. So he's talking to the people that held him, touched him, heard him, ate with him, etc. Oh, why would you doubt? Right? He said, why why are you doubting me? Now, how does that apply to us? Well, let me just use our, our New Testament idea in our lives. We have the internet. You can find out anything you want to on the internet, right? You can discover as much as you want about Jesus. You want to go back and you want to study anything about God, you can pull up a, be careful, you know, looking for truth versus error. You can pull up so much about God, you can almost, if you continue to study, know it all. There's no reason for us to doubt. You can look at all the archaeological finds. You can can listen to the world of science from a Christian perspective. And and you can listen to the debates and you can watch and you can learn and you can grow. and, And you can know without a shadow of a doubt, going all the way back to Genesis and reading all the way through the New Testament, that everything happened just the way God said it would and just the way the Bible says it did. Why do we doubt? You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy 29. There are some things that, that we will never know or understand. Well, that's in the Bible too, you know. You can't know it all. There are some things that God says you will never know. Deuteronomy 29 and verse uh, 29, uh, the Bible uh, says there, the secret things belong to God, Right? It belongs to God. It's going to to stay with God. We don't have to know every single thing. But we can know enough. In other words, we can know everything that we need to know about God to have a strong faith, conviction, and belief in God. But we're just, some of us, are just too lazy to research that. We'd rather doubt It's much easier. It's easier just to doubt. No. Why don't you go do your homework? How many of us have done our homework? Go and do your homework. The secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us. What does God reveal? He has revealed so much. It's amazing how much God has revealed to us. You've got to love, too, when there's these, there are these um, scientific arguments about, about uh, different things about the world. And then they, they say, yep, here's a reason why we know that the Bible's not right and then they find the truth, and they always put it in the science magazine in little, small print. Oops, we made a mistake right? You know what's amazing to me? How, how science goes from, this is right here, this is 40 billion, the Grand Canyon. 40 billion years old. And then uh, the Walla Walla Canyon in Washington, that event happened, and uh, they went from 40 billion to a million. And that, by the way, the Walla Walla Canyon is almost the same size as the Grand Canyon. It happened in six days. In a time when we could research, in a time when, and you go, that's a, I'm not a rocket scientist, but go from 40 billion to 1 million, that's a long way. You couldn't have been more, I mean, that's a, you don't say oops to that one, right? There's just too much evidence, church. There's so much evidence for us, if we'll just look and listen. To the word of God. And it says that we may observe all the words of the law. All the words of God. We can look at all of the words of God. But it doesn't change the fact. We're going to the book of Jude. That there were some who doubted even in that day. And so uh, doubting if you will. I guess it's true what people have said. That the doubt is human. I guess we're just going to doubt. Jude 21. So the Bible says something about that. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. I think that means we, we need to pray for each other, right? Because, because we, we do struggle. And it's when we struggle and when we're inconvenienced and when we're, when we're having a hard time that we, we sometimes begin to drift and doubt. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God, our our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Just, you just go back and read, and research, and study over and over again in the scriptures, verse 24 and 25, it will increase your faith. Just through those, those two verses alone. Satan wants us to give up. There's another scripture that I'm happy it's in there for us, for uh, for our strengthening of our, our faith, if you will. And, uh, and that's, that's what happened to Luke, I mean, uh, to Peter, and, and we'll get there in a moment, um, in the book of, um, of, of Matthew. We'll get there in a moment. His doubting... Or or denying Jesus, rather. Peter denying Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew, or Mark, rather, chapter uh, 10. Mark chapter 10. Jesus taught a message that, it really didn't make sense, right? It was hard to believe it. It was hard to to fathom it. It was hard even maybe uh, to listen to it. And the message was this. Mark chapter 10 in verse uh, 33. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him and kill him and three days later he will rise again. What? Look at Luke. I want to show you that it's not that he didn't say it plainly. It's that it was hard, maybe, it was hard to swallow the idea that these things would happen to, to the Messiah, to God, right? God himself. Uh, Luke 9, in verse uh, 21. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. God's plan just didn't make sense, right? I'm in Matthew 26 now looking at this, uh, this passage. I'm glad it's in there. Maybe just for me, but Peter denied Jesus. He, he was told this would happen. And, and that this wasn't the end. This, the plan of God didn't make a lot of sense from a humanistic standpoint. But it was the plan of God that these things would happen. And Peter struggled with that. You know, he pulled a sword out, cut off the mouth his ear. He was ready to fight to the death. But it wasn't going to happen that way. And in Matthew 26, and verse uh, 7, the denial... Peter denied. It says, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are talking about. Maybe we've never said that audibly. But have you ever lived your your life that way as a Christian? We never said it. But have you ever lived it? As As if God doesn't exist. Remember a long time ago, Christian atheists? you ever lived like God doesn't really exist that you know, everything that the Bible says regarding Jesus and our, our Savior and salvation, You ever lived as if it, it really didn't exist. And then in verse 72, he denies again. He denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Yeah, well, I'm a Christian, but... You ever justify the way you live? Ever justified it? Oh you know, yeah, but... And do that to the world, right? You ever, ever been there before? In your walk of faith with Jesus? To live as if none of this stuff happened? To live as if I'm never going to die? To live as if I'll never be judged? To live? Ever done that? You ever, you ever been caught up in the world? And in verse 74, done this? And then he began to curse and swear. I do not know the man. Immediately caught, pro you know. Say what you have to say to fit in with the world, instead of trying to fit in with the church. So Peter denied or doubted the power of God that this supposed to be this. And in Peter's mind, and the apostles later, it was kind of like all over, right? Once Jesus died, it was like, well, I mean, that's it. We wasted how many years of our, you know, three years of our lives. We just we just threw it away. Our business suffered as a result, and or maybe it didn't. I don't know. Church, don't don't give up I love it I love that it's in there that the, the very men who walked with Jesus who saw Jesus who in, in the earlier stages before the resurrection they they gave up but then later these are the same men by way of inspiration who wrote to us uh, in the word that God will finish the work if you allow him to in you. Right? The work that God has, we're going to Philippians please, chapter 1. The work that God has, has so ordained, if you will, in our lives, God will finish that work in me. Will you let him finish the work that he has set out for you in Christ in this world while we live? Verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? You know, God is working in you, And then the God that's working in you says, I'm going to finish the work that I began in you. I'm going to finish it in you. Don't give up. Be thou faithful until the end, right? Until death. Hebrews chapter 12. Is my focus, is my focus on the author and the finisher or perfecter of the faith, right? When When I walk, am I saying to myself that really, really this life and all that, that exists and all that will go on in this life, all that matters is my relationship with God. And as a result of my relationship with God, then it branches out so that I'm I'm kind and gentle and a man full of love and I'm honoring God the way that He expects me to. Do I believe that or do I doubt? Do I doubt that God can finish the work in me? Hebrews 12 and verse 1, that the fan of or the, the fans in the stands, if you will. Uh, therefore, since we have, been, uh, have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance of the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then we have to do something. We have to, we have to fix our eyes on not our problems, not our situations, not our inconveniences, right? Not the things that make me uncomfortable, But I've got to fix my eyes and keep them focused on Jesus. Because he is the author and the perfecter or finisher of the faith. He has shown us how to do it. Who would have ever thought that someone, a man, could keep the law of Moses perfectly. Who has shown us that we can live without sin if we so choose to. He's the author and the finisher of faith or the faith, our faith. Who for the joy said before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you believe that? And then it's his grace, right? Ephesians 2. I'm about to let you go. Ephesians 2, it's his, it's his grace that is so impressive and so magnificent in our lives. And do you believe that God has made me his work? Right? That God didn't just wind me up and let me go, but he's working in me every day i can't take the credit i don't want to take the credit thank you god for working in me for giving me what i need to stay with you for giving me the faith for giving me the strength for giving me your grace right in verse 8 uh ephesians chapter 2 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not as a result that um Works that want, no one should boast, for we are His workmanship, working on us, right, chipping away the edges, or maybe he's chipping away at chunks, right? <laughs> but He's chipping stuff away to make me what He wants me to be, and it's not maybe until the end that I'll be that perfect, whatever it is that I'm supposed to be. For for He's the the Potter and I'm the clay, and He's molding me, and shaping me, and making me, and he's never just turned me loose. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Verse verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's this idea that, that God has us covered. Do we believe that? Or do we doubt it? When I start saying, this is too difficult or too hard for me, I can just go to Romans 8 and say, okay, maybe it's not. (laughs) When I say, you know, things aren't the way I want them to be, I can go look at Israel. And I can understand that, that life should be for a child of God, not about me, but about God. And that I should be a willing vessel or instrument of God. And I know that's not always easy. But it's what God made us to be able to do. It's what God gave us the ability to be able to do. To be his servants that benefit and bless a world of both the saved and the unsaved. And as a result, he blesses us all of the way every single moment of the day. Well, here's an example. We're going to close in, in a moment. Romans 15. When you, when you think about the anatomy... There are so many moving parts in this thing, in this body. There's so much stuff, right? There's just so much stuff that that that's going on in this in this body, and God put it all together by Himself. And I'm just walking, talking, amazing instrument of God. This anatomy, this brain, this everything about you, everything about me is just every individual is so. So dynamic. As the Bible says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What an amazing study. And then the galaxy, the universe, right? So intricate and so... And God says, oh, that's nothing. I'm God. Why would I doubt that God can bring me from where I am today to where he wants me to be in this life? and then also the like. In Romans 15, Romans chapter 15, after we, uh, maybe, maybe next week, Lord willing, we'll look at how to cast off or how to get rid of the doubt that we might find in our, in our heart, and in our mind. Beginning at verse 1, please. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who, without strength and not just please ourselves, purpose. Got a purpose of it. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell upon me. But whatever was written in earlier times, written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have Go back to that old book, the Old Testament. I can learn so much about God's dealings with humanity. I can learn so much about myself. And I can see the beginning of Israel and the end of Israel. And why it happened. And I can see that no plan of man, because all the way from the beginning... In Genesis 3.15, all the way through to the birth of Jesus, was a work of God that no man could stop. And greater than that, that Satan couldn't stop. To save all of the humans that will ever exist on the face of the earth. God is amazing. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become one, to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, to allow God to take hold of your life, and take you to that next level, to that... Spiritual enlightenment, if you will. And as you're a child of God and, and you have understood God's word and you've surrendered to him, if you're having trouble walking by faith, talk to somebody. Let us encourage one another. Let us strengthen one another. But if there's something that we can do for you, whatever it may be, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.